DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Brian Keel joining us now, former BYU and NFL linebacker. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy. Get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing all right. Been watching a little bit of TV, and you've lived around the country and all that, and I'm just curious, what's the media missing? What do you want to see reported? What do you see out of all um, of this? Oh, man. That's a... <laughs> That's uh, we don't we don't have long enough show for me to to get into all of that. Um, there there's so much getting missed. Um, it's uh, there's just there's so many tragedies going on right now, and people on every angle, every side, every color, every race, every political spectrum. There's so much of an agenda, and everybody wants to just point to what is important to them. There's no communication. Um, there's no understanding. There's just too much shouting, and uh, there's there's just it's. I mean, what you said. You're watching TV. That that's just the manifestation of this lack of understanding. Is is the mayhem that is just ripping across our country, and it's 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 just tragic. Is the only word that I can adequately sum it up. When you're in college in the NFL. A lot of different races in locker rooms. How do they manage to get along? Uh, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, I don't remember who it was, but uh, um, I, anyway, I mentioned a tweet that I saw of a, from a former asshole. He, he tweeted something out that point. He pointed out that society, if only society could function like a locker room does, and you know, by and large, every football locker room is a very mix of social, racial, um, spiritual, and um, even even economical varying demographics. And you have a whole, the whole gamut in, in that locker room. And by and large, everyone gets along. And a, a big part of that is because they're united in a common purpose, even though they come from differing backgrounds. Um, they're united in a common purpose and a common goal, and, and that's to, to, to be a team to win a championship. And, and this is the same, high school, college, NFL. You have a, a, a mixture, mixed group united in a common purpose to, to win a championship. And, and so be, because they're united, they overlook those differences. And that's essentially what society needs to do. We, obviously, society is completely mixed, in all of those categories and all those backgrounds. But I think that's the problem is a lot of us, we're not united in our common purpose. And so we don't work together. We just shout over each other. And, and, and we don't function like a locker room does, where there is brotherhood and camaraderie and, and joking and, and ribbing and all that good stuff. But there's also respect and understanding and good-naturedness. And, yeah, that's, that's what society needs to it really needs to imitate. And I can't recall, you know, every team you've played on, high school, college, and pro, how every season went. Is it the same when teams are bad as when they're good? Because I think we all get that the Chiefs had a lot of harmony on the way to the Super Bowl because winning's fun and winning will, you know, smooth a lot of stuff over. But when teams are losing, is it still that good? Yeah, so obviously there's different things to – that the team focuses on. But, yeah, I have been on both ends of it. Um, my, my rookie year, 
Um, the Giants were just coming off uh, a Super Bowl over the Patriots the first time. And, and my rookie year, we, we were the number one team in the NFC, had a, a really kind of on our way to another Super Bowl until Plaxico shot himself in the leg. Um, but anyway, so that was a really good team that I was on. And then contrasted, um, I was on a St. Louis team that was worse in the league, um, that went 2-14. And so, you know, I, I saw both sides of it. And um, it's kind of interesting because winning brings out different dynamics and losing brings out different dynamics. And even, you know, when on that St. Louis team, you know, that I was on that was this terrible. And I was also on a, a Kansas City Chiefs team. I was there for half the season one year. Um, and and the, the team went 2-14 and 14 that season, the year before Andy Reid got um, and, and terrible team in terms of football, and same with St. Louis, terrible team in terms of football. But, you know, the team, you, you, uh, you kind of grow together against that adversity. And, and so winning, losing, the teams, they function, the guys get along, because uh, you're still in it together for a common purpose. And, you know, that's what society needs to do. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's wrong with America. And, and you know, you asked at the beginning, you know, what's the media missing? If, if you came from a different planet and, and you landed here and you knew nothing about Earth and you listened to the media, you would think that America is the absolute worst place in the universe, the, the way that it's portrayed in, in the media. And it's, America is not even close to perfect. Of course not. But it is the single greatest country in the history of the world. And if you don't recognize that and acknowledge it, you are either ignorant or blind or obtuse or a combination of all of them. And it doesn't matter what metric you want to look at in, in terms of, of prosperity, in terms of uh, lifting up the downtrodden, in terms of saving them, in, in, in terms of philanthropy, in terms of innovation, scientific uh, breakthroughs, however you want to look at it, this place that we're so fortunate to li- enough to live that is not perfect, that has a history of racism, of bigotry and prejudice, and that has all sorts of scars and imperfections, nevertheless, it is the greatest country in the history of the world. And just that right there, the fact that people can't acknowledge both sides of that coin is frustrating to me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to get on a soapbox, but it just, it really bothers me. I'm always fascinated by how people in whatever their given environments are, how some folks succeed, some folks don't, and they come from a lot of, if not the same family, similar backgrounds and all. I want to touch on the subject of adoption, and I think most folks know that that involves you, and, and I have a little bit of experience with it, and I know for some, uh, it was easy to accept, and for others, it had just caused all sorts of issues and created tons of problems. And with you being in that situation, how do you think you were able to succeed? So that's a great question. And again, you know, I wish I had you know a lot a lot of time to really answer it properly. But um, for, first and foremost, I was blessed to have the greatest parents that any kid could hope or wish or dream to have. Um, Gary and Nancy Keel are, are special people. And, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I don't have time to really go into uh, the depth of, of their specialness, but um, that, that was the, the first thing, that, the first key to my success was, was parents who, who genuinely treated me and loved me and, and all of my adopted siblings 
no different than the three natural kids that they, that they birthed and parented. Um, there was no difference in our treatment. So it, it, it just from the jump, that was the biggest biggest um, building block to success is the way they treated treated me and treated my siblings. And, um, and then on top of that, uh, you know, it's it just me personally having an understanding mind and, and just, a, a, um, I don't know, just a, a positive and optimistic outlook on it. And I understand, you know, not everyone is blessed with that situation and, and the fortune that I had to come to a good home. And there's a, a very mixed um, results in terms of the home and the structure and the support and the love that it offered. And so I understand that, but um, my parents, they had the highest expectations for us and they, they gave us resources to succeed. They, um, we, they were, they were disciplined for us. They, they, you know, we were accountable for our mistakes. Um, they expected a lot of us. And, and when we fell short of those expectations, they let us know and there were consequences and, um, just so many things I could go on and on, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it was, it was, it's been a blessing in my life and I'm you know, just forever grateful for the, the opportunity they gave me. And I understand that there's a lot of different situations that I could have ended up in. And I have empathy for those kids that don't have the, the luck and the good fortune that I have. You know, going to my extended family, I can think of a half dozen adoptions off the top of my head, different generations, and you're right, it plays out different reasons, and I've heard some of the conversations, and it's just absolutely mind-blowing. And you know, you think after you know two or three or four of the stories, but man, the fifth one still blows your mind. So I don't, uh, we could probably discuss this for the rest of the show, and it'd be fascinating. Um, but I also wanted to talk to you about football coming back. You know you're talking to a lot of Uten Cougar fans, Aggie fans, Wildcat fans, NFL fans. It seems like it's coming back at the college and pro level. I'm pretty confident that we're going to see games here pretty quickly. But I know it's not a done deal, and I'm wondering as a player, what is the biggest hurdle? Even if it's probable to happen, which I think it is, what's the biggest hurdle in a player's mind right now? Um, you know, I, I think um, in their mind, you know, it's probably just the fear of, of what society will think about them, about the dangers of, of exposure. And then also, you know, some players will have the same fear of exposure, not just what society views that are in society perception, but fear of personal exposure themselves. That, that's probably the biggest hurdle in their mind. Um, but, you know, most athletes are wired differently. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't speak for, for every athlete, obviously. I can only really speak for myself. But I have been around a few number of, of athletes, and I have a decent understanding of how they and myself are wired and how we think. And um, most, of, most of us, were wired differently. We want to compete. And, um, and we, we also are more willing to take risks then we are risk averse just in general um, by our nature compared to the, 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 the standard populace. And so my, 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 my guess is, and I don't know, but my guess is most players at the collegiate and the professional level are anxious to get back. They're, they're willing to take a heightened level of risk in order to get back to, to what we do. And, and I personally feel that the risk isn't as great as it's being made out to be. 
And especially, it, it actually will be really interesting to see in the next couple of weeks if there is a huge spike in cases and, and, and deaths from COVID-19 because of all the people that have not been social distancing. That will tell us a lot. If there's not a huge spike in the next couple of weeks, that will tell us a lot. And, and we'll, we'll learn a lot regardless, you know, thanks to the mayhem that has gone on for the last couple of weeks. Um, but I, I think that the, the leagues need to get back into, into play. I think that it's important for society on a, on a number of levels. And, and if I was still playing, I wish I was, if I was still playing, I would be doing everything I could to push for it to happen. You think sports can set an example to, to restore uh, whatever form of normalcy we have? I do. I, you know, uh, Tony Jones had a good poem um, the other day that I read, and he, he pointed out that it's probably good right now that sports aren't happening. Uh, I think the word he used was the deodorant to mask this injustice that's going on um, in, in, in our society. That's, that's, that's been perpetuated for, for centuries in our society. And, and I agree with that. Um, you know, it's probably good right now that we don't have the distraction because there are legitimate injustices in our society that have not been dealt with that need to be fixed. Um, that being said, I, I think part of why there's so much mayhem going on right now is the fact that everybody was cooped up for two and a half months inside their homes. Um, Forty-some million Americans lost their jobs. There's financial uncertainty. There's um, health uncertainty. There's fear being promulgated and spread, um, some deservedly and, and much more undeservedly, high and low. And so people have been stirred up into a panic, and that is absolutely contributing to the mayhem that's going on right now. And um, just mental health, just in general, you know, this is just under attack right now. People are, are anxious. They're depressed. They're, they're fearful. There's just so many emotions going on. And... I think sports is, is a great outlet. I think it's just a fantastic release from the pressures of society and politics and work and mortgages and diapers and all the things that we as humans that we deal with and we face. I think sports is a fantastic way to get away from those things, to relax, to root for a common team, to cheer, to cry when your team loses, to cry when your team loses to their rival up the state nine times in a row. Um, I personally, I, I can't wait to get that distraction back, and I think it's important for society. You expecting higher quality football or lower quality football? I mean, these are off-season workouts and the whole structure of them. College and pro, and they're different changes at different levels, but have they really lost a lot? This, Or are we going to find out that that was kind of busy, make work, you do something because you got time, but it doesn't really impact winning and losing? Yeah, so I think at the college level, you'll see a bigger drop-off than at the professional level just because of the nature of, of the individuals, the skill level of the individuals involved, and just the attention to detail to their craft. The professionals, um, by and large, will have spent more time to stay in shape, to stay on top of their game, and to be ready to go when and if the season rolls around. Um, the college kids, they don't have the financial they don't have the, the motivation and just the skills um, to, to compete or to, to stay competitive at the same level. I don't think there will be a huge drop-off, but I think if there is a drop-off, there will be more of one at the college than the, the professional level. The good thing about football, uh, different than other sports, like you take golf or you take basketball, if you know, those, those sports, there's going to be 
a, a, a bigger drop off when you haven't been on the court or on the on on the course um, because there it's so much about touch about rhythm about mechanics and those things are quick to go when you're not getting reps when you're not practicing when you're away from it football most of the positions in football um, is not of so much about precision and about finesse and, and mechanics um, the quarterbacks absolutely are um, you know kicking game those sort of things but you know linebackers and offensive linemen um, you know, defensive backs, you know, those guys, they've been able to, to really stay in shape and, and practice the things that help them get better. And so that's a good thing about football is it's not going to get affected as much as some of the other sports. So you mentioned that nine in a row, Brian. It's not going to get to ten, is it? <laughs> I, it's, you do it. It's gotten so bad. I just, I just, I, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. And, you know, I love the rivalry. I'm, this is nothing new. I, it's, it's fantastic. And I love talking trash. And, and it's gotten to the point, it's like I can't even talk trash anymore because what can I freaking say at this point? It's just so embarrassing. There's this whole generation of kids that have never seen a, a Cougar win. And it just, it's something that we need so bad. We just, we just need it. I need it. All of us need it. My kids need it. And so... Uh, is it going to get to ten? I don't know, but I oh man, I would I would I would sell a lot. I would give a lot. I would pay a lot to see a Cougar victory this fall. We need it, man. Well, I think that's a good opportunity for trash talk, DJ. As Brian said, <laughs> what can BYU fans say? Trash talking. I you know I, the, the pro, that's the problem. The only thing we can say is is um, in my day or. In the '80s, and it's that's getting lame at this point. And so, <laughs> honestly, it's 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 to the point where we can't really say anything. On, I guess the only trash talk we could say is, you know, we could take it to the other sports and take it to the school um, and the academics. But you know, that's kind of a cop out. So, in terms of football, there is no the trash talking is over because we have played like trash for for the better part of a decade, and so we need to do our talking on the field. Um, I, 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 I think we have every chance to win every single time we play those guys. Um, and for, for a decade now, they have found a way to win. Most, almost every game has been close. Um, you know, there's the one year where we had a crap ton of, well, we have a crap ton of turnovers every time, but there was the one really bad year that got away from us down in Provo. Um, and that one was ugly. But other than that, every game has been close and Utah has found a way to win at the end of the game. And we just we got to find a way to flip that script. Brian, if you don't say something, I'm going to get a whole bunch of tweets about how last year's game wasn't close. Wasn't close? He said most of them. Um, I mean, I, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't close as the other ones, no. Um, it was very, very close until a pick six flipped it up wide open. Yeah. Um, the first yeah, half, obviously, it, was extremely, extremely competitive. Um, and that's the thing, you know, it's, it's all, it's turnovers. It, that has been our biggest Achilles heel every single year. We just, we just gift points to the other team. And Utah is extremely opportunistic. They're extremely efficient at getting turnovers, at, at, at scoring off turnovers, because turnovers aren't worthless, but they're next to worthless if you don't score off of them. And Utah is very good at scoring off of them. That's the, the biggest way that you, BYU will up, upend this streak and win is not coughing up the football. 
Well, Brian, I mean, I think you should go to Wilson's knee was down on that pick. Plus, if I remember, it was by Francis Bernard, who got his start at BYU, and it wouldn't have been nothing if not for BYU. There's, There you go. He's our guy. He's one of our guys. We we prepped him, and then he came back yeah. and ripped our hearts out. So, right. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, and it's just honestly that game. Um, what a coulda shoulda. Who knows what happens if that that play that play changed the whole game? And the the, the, the tragedy of that play is Tyson Williams was wide open and and would have you know at least got twenty thirty yards um, if Wilson could have just got the ball. Over, um, over Bernard and and into Tyson's hands, but woulda coulda shoulda. Utah got it oh, done. Yeah. No, that Williams would have caught it. And he would have scored, and you would have won. And we would have won exactly. I'm taking that to yeah, the there bank. You go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. We'll leave it there. We appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, it's good to chat with you guys. Um, just in parting, I'd just like to say to every listener, um, just. Love, just love, man. I, I love being alive. I love sports. Uh, you know, I love the human race, and I just uh, I hope that people can can overcome the differences and be like a, a a sports team locker room and just push towards the common goal of appreciation, dignity, and the advancement of the human race. Brian Keel, former BYU and NFL linebacker, joining us right here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone.